0: And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man.
1: Hello and welcome to Watching the Right Movies with the Rinkowski Brothers. This, this podcast for people who enjoy mainstream movies but are maybe looking to expand horizons into things they haven't heard of before. And to take you along on this journey, I'm Ben and this is my brother Nick. Hey everybody. All right, Nick, I'm again putting you... I'm again foolishly giving you the keys to a movie studio. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I know you like that. Uh mm-hmm. So if I put you in charge of a movie studio, and you've you've got to make a big special effects movie, all right? Okay. And again, you're we're, we're maybe making you not in charge of the studio, but you're the producer of the movie or something. Uh, What's your direction going to be in terms of the CGI.
0: Who is like, my director want, going to be?
1: Uh, no, wasn't, well, you can pick the director. What's your direction as in, do you want, Oh, you, you've got, you're going you to have special it? effects. So are you yeah. going to want a lot of CGI? You're going to
0: want them to try to do it old school. CGI. Here's CGI. If I'm making a big spectacle, like you're talking about, yeah. my thought on CGI is that at the moment, uh, the human eye can detect when a character's real and not. I think we're getting better than that all the time. Uh, but if using it in terms of the stunts, I'm all for it, I guess. Uh, provided, I mean, the, the CGI is just a tool for any special effect. And a special yes. effect, um, whether it's believable or not, uh, is secondary to how it works within the quality of a movie. Uh, too many spectacular special effects with no story are just repetitive uh, and tedious and all that kind of thing. Whereas a movie with a great story that's effects-driven can even get away with. Um, you know, there's not a lot of special effects in Alien. There's not a whole lot of special effects in Jaws. Uh, I'm trying to think of a. I, I instead of being a curmudgeonly, always look to the past type of person, I'm trying to think of a uh, a, a current. Uh, blockbuster that doesn't feature a whole lot of uh, special effects, but I can't at the moment. I, might, I would much rather see, actually this is a good, good example, I'd much rather see the Hurt Locker over Avatar, to be sure, because uh, even though there's a lot of special effects in the Hurt Locker, I'm much more uh, uh, driven by the, the story than I am for as fabulous as the Avatar effects may or may not be. I'm much more interested on the edge of my seat for The Hurt Locker than I was for Avatar. And that's, that would be my approach to um, to this blockbuster you've commissioned from me. Of course, that also would be why the board of directors would vote me out, <laughs> as Avatar is the biggest movie of all time, and The Hurt Locker made about 15 bucks. Um, but... That's but not it. My 30, point is, thirty bucks when you account for the cost of the Oscar that you can hawk. When you was. cost <laughs> when you sell the Oscar off, then yeah. it's then it, it we we made thirty dollars. So my <laughs> point is I'm not allergic to CGI, yeah. uh, But I would rather spend my money on a story than on the special effects. However, in terms of characters and things that are interacting with the characters, I'm a big puppet guy. I'm a big make something there, enhance it with special effects. Uh, but, you know, instead of having a, and I'm not going to just dump on Jar Jar, but instead of <laughs> having like a, uh, what they've done with the Lord of the Rings movies and actually having a performance out of um, the Gollum character who that Andy is generated circus. from a real person, uh, you know, I think that that helps, even though it's certainly, yeah. gen- you could say that that character is computer generated, whereas... A character like Jar Jar, even some that not just Jar Jar, but uh, Yoda in those new movies uh, isn't really there. And I think you can tell the difference between new Yoda and old Yoda. And I really prefer uh, old Yoda, 900 year old Yoda. Even at times, old Yoda, who's actually, yeah, that old Yoda,
1: Yoda, you (laughs) you can tell he's a puppet. You're like, yep, that is a muppet. That's that's a muppet. I'm, I'm getting life advice. From Kermit the Frog's brother, right? That's Old, right. Older brother. But,
0: but he's uh, there. You feel the tangible yeah. bitness of him. And yeah. you're not... I mean, you watch those movies, and, you, and this has a lot to do with the story versus special effects, too, but I've never watched Empire Strikes Back and said, you know what would make this better? Instead of him slapping his gums, <laughs> if he'd hop around with a little lightsaber, a little toy lightsaber that's his size, little baby's first lightsaber, so he can jump around and, and uh, you know throw it at people. So, but that again goes back to the story versus, um, uh, versus special yeah. effects, but I'm not, uh, I'm not allergic to see, I'm not like staunch against CGI, I'm not even necessarily staunch against 3d. Uh, although I think I've, I've never seen 3d done better than 2d. That's true.
1: Yeah. And I would say like, I would say current movie. I mean, recent movies like Gravity and Life of Gravity's Pi were almost all good. CGI to great effect Mm -hmm. Uh, but i would say to me maybe the perfect use of puppets and cgi is jurassic park sure uh which is mainly which they did mainly without cgi but then he added in cgi when it was needed uh still looks pretty good benny oh it still looks great in fact the parts that look the worst are the cgi
0: (laughs) that's true that's true
1: but they don't really look that bad Uh, no and i think that has a lot of similarities with the movie we're going to talk about today and what is that movie uh, that would be Pan's Labyrinth or oh, El Laberinto is, del Fauno in Spanish. Okay, this is <laughs> embarrassing
0: because I watched David Bowie's Labyrinth. I'm not prepared to talk about <laughs> that, I that, th- that That's, also embarrassing, has that's Muppets, embarrassing enough. <laughs> right. Also has a lot of puppetry, but no. Yes. yes it's, uh, and good. I'm glad you brought up the international title. Say it again, Benny, because you're the Spanish.
1: Well, El Labyrinth del Fauno. And right, of, it's the the fawn of the fawn, which is not what Pan means.
0: We, but that's I like that. That's a more accurate title. Pan is not ever the given name of the fawn in this movie. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't so know why, I don't
1: know why you changed the name. Just call it the Fawn's Labyrinth. That's oh, you
0: could well. But I think I guess the idea would be that people think it's a deer thing or it's a I don't know. You yeah. could just call it the Labyrinth too, and yeah. not you're right well, because people would, want to attribute Pan as the name David of the movie. Right, that's not your good point. Uh, you can call it the little girl's labyrinth, or Ophelia's labyrinth, I don't know. The point is, it, it's misleading because yeah. Pan is never a stated character, and uh, he's certainly not the fawn in the movie. Uh, but that's not here nor there. This is a uh, Guillermo del Toro Spanish-language movie. He's a Mexican director uh, about uh, World War II, or specifically the Spanish Civil War in yeah. Spain. Uh, it's happening in 1944. The little girl uh, and her mother are moving in with her stepfather, the, uh, the colonel, uh, no, uh, captain, Captain Vidal. A capitan. A uh, capitan, uh, a sociopathic fascist who is hunting down uh, the resistance fighters. And the little girl, uh, while the resistance is closing in on the captain, and he's exerting his control over his own household because there are, there are members of his help staff that are part of the resistance, Uh, she is taking part in this fantasy world uh, directed by the Fawn, which she finds in a labyrinth behind the mill where she's staying. That uh, gives her three tasks. It tells her that she is a princess who is destined to merge the two, fantasy world and reality world, and she's going to live forever and all the the usual fairy tale stuff. And then she has to go on these three quests, uh, which are... Interesting and different, and all this is intercut with uh, the real horror of uh, the Spanish Civil War. Uh, it's a, it's one of my favorite movies. We made the I, in two thousand or, or, pardon me, two thousand ten or so. I asked all my friends, including you, Benny, to make their top ten lists of the two thousands, the top ten movies of the, the decade of two thousand to two thousand nine. Uh, this finished second on mine i can 't remember where it finished overall, but I'm, i don 't think it was all that near the top but it's it 's one of the one of my favorite movies of the last ten years to be sure, and one of my all time uh, favorites as well. I really like this movie, so i 'm just happy that we could watch it and talk about it today. Uh, as I mentioned, Guillermo del toro, Mexican director, and who was part of the vanguard of what was called the New Mexican cinema, which is sort of reductive because it really was only referring to three people. Uh, Del Toro, uh, Alejandro Iñárritu, I think I've got, I'm have not pronouncing that right, and Alfonso Cuaron, who directed Gravity, which you already talked about, and is the reigning Best Director champion, I guess, uh, <laughs> but who just won the Best Director Oscar um, at the Oscars. And they all, in 2006, this New Mexican cinema really reached its crest, crest because all three of them had a new movie out that were critically the, and a little bit commercially popular. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Koran had Children of Men, and Inuratu had Babel, which is also a fantastic movie. Uh, some of that's fallen by the wayside now. Um, they, uh, Del Toro has a strange career because he's not yeah. really an art house guy. Pan's Labyrinth is, uh, you know, he does a lot of superhero and comic book movies, including the Hellboy franchise, Blade. He was one Blade of the two. one of the Blade Blade Two. I understand is the best blade. Okay.
1: Uh, but, uh, well, and the, my favorite movie of last year, Pacific Rim,
0: uh, we don't have time. To, we don't, I don't got time to knock you down on that one, but, uh, I the, don't have time to say how much I love that movie. So we move on. <laughs> uh, the, and so he makes a lot of big, these, what you said, these big spectacle, uh, and, and I mean, being fair, so does Koran who also made one of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, but, you know, and Gravity is in itself a big spectacle movie. It just happened to be really critically acclaimed as well. Only in Uratu has sort of stayed in this sort of art house mold. And I say stayed because uh, the only movie he's made since two thousand six is Beautiful, which is very good. He also made Twenty One Grams, which I haven't seen, and Tomorrow's Paris, which I, I've been told many times I need to see, which I haven't seen.
1: That's but that's I that's probably my all time favorite Spanish
0: language movie. Well, there Paris. you go. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, Karan uh, made his name with the, Itu Mama Tambien," uh, which a lot of people really like, is, including myself. Like my, my number two. <laughs> well, there you go. So you are a big. So you are very much in the the New Mexican wave. I, I'm a. i am like Karan from the. I like his "Great Expectations" with uh, Ethan Hawke and um, Gwyneth Paltrow. I uh, haven't seen Little Princesses or The Little Princess, but uh they've they all work in certain sense and have worked in adolescence or childhood, which is what Pan's Labyrinth's about. But anyway, Benny, you so you are big on the, the New Mexican cinema.
1: I suppose I am. I think because I uh I we talked about this we when we watched Day for Night on I know Spanish, so I right. guess I prefer Spanish Speaking movies, but I still read sure. the sub on the most part, part although we can talk about more about this movie. But uh and then I've been to Mexico and I I honestly think and maybe I'm just reading into this, I feel that as Americans we have more in common with Mexicans than maybe we do with Europeans in some ways. So I feel that I get those I get like good Mexican or Latin American movies more than I get, say, good French movies.
0: Uh, well, I could not Oh, like, uh, well, it's hard to. I mean, I don't uh, know. I feel like a, movie, a good movie is good. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, so I might be reading. But anyway, yeah, I really liked Itamamutami and. and uh, you know,
0: quick uh, diversion. And so, everybody, <laughs> yeah. the, the big argument, quick diversion on that. Because we have, what is it, 95% of our genetics are with chimpanzees? <laughs> I don't know. With something like that. It's a really high number, right? Yeah. Do you know that 50% of our genes are the same as bananas?
1: Uh, I've, I did not know that I've heard things like that, that yeah, actually yeah. lots of genetic, lots of the genes are the same as everything that's alive. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I, yeah. anyway, that's not who there. Uh, you're, uh, I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I, it, it seems reductive to me to say you, I think it's probably more likely that you just really liked e Tambian Mama Tambien and Amaro Sparrows. Ter- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, cause I, well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I Maybe. think everybody's different in a certain sense, and you may, because you've been there and you have more of a... Uh, you know, you did live in South, Southern California for such a long time that... <laughs> well, that uh, was that, after... Sure, uh, but um, I don't know. I, I, everybody's yeah. different. You may, it, And there are people who really respond to these... Uh, to the, Certainly those movies and the movies from these three, even though they are, in my opinion, very different directors. Yes. Because uh, there's nothing like E2 Tom Tambien and all of... Uh, <laughs> Del Toro's uh, movies. And this movie, although there are a lot of movies that you can, I will say, though, you can tell a Del Toro movie sight unseen. You know, if you sat in the middle of a Del Toro movie, eventually you're going to know that it's a Del Toro movie based on the special effects and the way that the 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 puppets look look or the creatures look. They have a distinctive look. Um, That goes back to his earliest movie, Kronos, Uh, And this movie here, Pan's Labyrinth, is, in my opinion, the the height of his storytelling and story. Uh, It's a companion piece to an earlier movie called The Devil's Backbone. You ever seen Devil's Backbone, Benny? I have not. Uh, Which is a strong movie, but this this, to me is where everything's clicking, everything's working. Uh, Perfect combination of real violence and fantasy, almost horror-like... Uh, material, all filtered through the story of this little girl. It's not for children, to say the least, uh, but it has these universal themes that she's dealing with and uh, a lot of interest in or a lot of, uh, you know, there are, ask the question, what is really more horrible um, in her life that there's this pale man with hands in his eyes chasing after her or the fact that she lives in the same house as this sociopath, uh, who will murder for the, the smallest whim. So that, I really like that dynamic a lot.
1: Uh, yeah. And so you got into, yeah, being able to, that Guillermo del Toro has a very distinctive kind of look to his creatures, which I just, I just enjoy. Uh, and that's what I, again, I've only seen a handful of his movies. I just really appreciate that he has this style and he goes for it. And it's like his oh. vision, and it's not just—he's not just using CGI to use it and just throw moving crap at you mm-hmm. like a certain director. I'm not going to mention. <laughs> does it rhyme
0: like, with Eichel Michael Lay? It does rhyme with Eichel Lay. Okay, <laughs> so
1: like <laughs> use it because it's like it's—I mean, to him, it's art. Like this is this. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Hellboy looks like looks like the Fawn, who looks yeah. a little bit like the creatures in Pacific Rim. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like his vision and he goes for it and I just appreciate that
0: uh, and I certainly do the, too the, the, the I don't want to cool, give the impression these that cool just, things
1: of imagination uh, that he just puts onto the screen and you could experience right. and yeah the pale man that she well, meets in her second challenge is one of the creepiest things ever
0: <laughs> but he's really there I mean there is a person the same person who play, plays and I'm not I'm not I'm putting air quotes on that but that's yeah. not really fair because this person does give a performance uh, Doug Jones is the same person who's in the the fawn, and uh, the fawn who's eight feet tall and walks on these crazy legs. Those legs are really there; they're not that, computer amazing. generated. Uh, and he's the, doing the same. Now there are elements of that that are computer generated, and the frog that she runs into that she has to get the key from uh, is also a puppet that's really there. That is, um, and I think you can tell that. You can also yeah, that's because what it's I now. It's so eight, amazing. <laughs> You can tell that it's eight years old a little bit. Uh, that's just the nature. That's the devil you dance with when you dance with CGI. There, uh, you can tell. I can tell in the moments when they wear way more heavily on. Uh, especially at the end when she goes to the palace, you can tell that that's all computer generated. Uh, but that I, again, I don't care. It, uh, special effects that's not is not fun. I, right. And I don't. It, the, where's the fun in going to a special effects movie just to be like fake, fake? Yeah.
1: It, it, And plenty of people do that.
0: Right. And I don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry that they couldn't get a real dinosaur uh, and train it (laughs) to hunt after someone. My bad. Uh, You know, it's not supposed to be a documentary, it's a fantasy. You got to suspend the disbelief a little bit. Uh, But let's talk about that for a second. Do you think, because a lot of the tension is is what she 's doing this, these trials that she goes through uh, getting the key from the um, from the frog uh, getting the what does she get from the pale man the the dagger the dagger right uh, are those really happening
1: well so first so I, what i will my thought on at least the movie uh, along with that is it seemed like magical realism to me that 's right uh, which is a mainly a genre of Latin American fiction that i really like uh the, oh, main, really? the yeah okay. the main the main uh guy on that movement is uh gabriel garcia marquez who is probably my favorite author uh and it's this magical realism which or uh where it's basically you just have fantastical things happen in r- real life and the characters in the book they don't they don't react they're like yep that's what happens like oh yeah mm-hmm. this guy lived to be 500 that's normal uh If you've read or seen like Water for Chocolate, uh, that's what happens. Like you know, her mood is what affects what the food goes into the food, and then that affects the people at the wedding. Because she was sad when she made this chocolate, and that's just normal. That's what everyone accepts. Like if you accept this magical, you accept this magical element of life.
0: Uh, Well, I think that's an element of fairy tales because they don't. You run it. Why they say okay if you tell a lie, your your nose is gonna. Uh, <laughs> why? Why? It's just, it yeah. it, this has to be done by the third midnight, or by the time the moon is. Why? According to who? I mean, who makes that? What's the science behind that? they just you just accept it,
1: right? And so that's what I like about this: that you just you go along with Ophelia, and you're like, "Yep, this is this is happening." <laughs> this mm-hmm. creepy eight legged creature is talking to me, uh, right? And I like that. So, but then it, this movie does, since she's the only one that ever sees this stuff. Yeah, uh, it does kind of ask that question and. I mean, I guess the big thing I like is I think you can interpret it different ways. Right. Uh, I guess I, I think that, yes, it's, that's what's happening.
0: She... I think that's true. Correct. Because you said there's a, the, the people who don't think it. And there's no right or wrong way. But yeah. I agree with you. I think it's happening, too. Uh, there's a scene at the end in which the Vidal, the captain, come, follows her into the labyrinth. And she's speaking to the fawn. But yeah. we see and from his perspective, and he there's can't no, see the fawn. Yeah, no I, I don't think that's an indication that the font isn't there. I think that's an indication that he can't see the font.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, that's, that, what, that's how I interpreted it.
0: Uh, and there is a moment also towards the end that, uh, to me, proves, and it's not about, first of all, I don't care uh, which one it actually is. I get to watch the movie for what I do. A lot of people, it, if there's ambiguity, it drives them nuts. I'm not one of those people. Throw, make it as ambiguous as you want. But at the end, she has to steal her, her brother um, to steal him away from her newly born brother, baby brother, away from the captain, who uh, he's obsessed with the son, having, his, uh, having a son, heir. passing on, and having an heir, that's right. And she has to steal him away uh, and give him to the fawn. That's what she's been asked to do. Uh, he has locked the, fa- the, the brother up in, his, in the captain's study, and she has been locked in the, uh, in the attic, how does she get into the, the study?
1: Well, she uses the... Oh, you're saying, how she could uses, it be if she's not using could she, the magic chalk? If she's not the using chalk. the
0: magic chalk, <laughs> which allows yeah. her to draw a door in the wall, yeah. or the floor, or anything, how could she get in there? Ooh, that's And good. he finds the chalk, and it, yeah. it, everything else is fairly... Because he, she, he gets a man, she gets a mandrake her, her from grew. the fawn. And they find that it, it's an actual item, uh, but you could you see Mandrake's in the kitchen. She could have gotten yeah. that, made it up in her mind, and gotten it from someplace else. A dagger she could find someplace else. A key she could find someplace else. Because the they in the in the actual story, the 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 Spanish Civil War story, keys enter into it, and so do daggers. And so that's really neat. Is how the the, the fairy tale is mirroring. Because he has a key to the, to the barn where he's keeping a lot of his stuff that he's trying to keep away from uh, his underling, Mercedes. Uh, and she has a knife, Mercedes has a knife right? at the same time, more or less, that Ophelia finds the dagger. So it's sort of mirroring them. But the chalk, where's, she gonna get, where's that chalk going to come from? Uh, you know, Again, you can explain that away, but it's harder to explain how she gets into that room. Well,
1: not so much where uh, the chalk – yeah, how did she get in if
0: not – How to, did she get into uh, see- if not using the magic chalk? Uh, so, I, it, again, I don't think it matters, but if you pay attention, I, I think it's fairly clear that it does. Uh, But it's also open to the interpretation that she's making it up. I just, there's so, it's not willy-nilly. It's not, I'm going to make a Spanish Civil War movie and add a fantastical element. Right. Uh, It's, I'm making a Spanish Civil War movie with a fantastical element, paralleling what's happening in real life. And there's nothing more violent, that's more violent than the real life stuff. Uh, This Captain Vidal, who is the most interesting character to me, uh, because he's a, He's just, you know, he has to, because it's a bit of a fairy tale, there is a good and evil, and he's certainly the evil. <laughs> yes. But I like what uh, Del Toro does to introduce not shades of gray as if he's not evil, but makes him fairly complicated and makes. Uh, uh, There's a you know, shadow def- of
1: his father with the watch that he's always looking at.
0: And why does he deny the existence of the yeah. watch? I don't know. Uh, there's a story in which someone tells the because you, you see him fixing this watch. I don't think he likes his father very much no. because his <laughs> father, who was who died in battle, crushed his watch just so um, he his son would know what time his father died, which is a weird thing to do anyway. <laughs> yes. uh, but also, uh, it's a uh, you know in the in the opposite of the watch in Pulp Fiction. By the way, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't think Badal is going to keep that watch where Christopher Walken did, uh, <laughs> yeah. just to get right. But he fixes the watch to as a defiance. Screw you, Dad! Yes. I'm, I don't, you, I don't get to know what time it. I'm in. Yeah. And then, but you don't know the story of the watch. And then yeah. they tell the story of the watch at a dinner table, and he says, "No, my father never had a watch." Why does he do that? I don't know. Uh, he's, he's just a he, jerk. He's just he's a
1: he's, big he's, fat jerk,
0: <laughs> right? And there are elements of Clout. You said um, uh, the, the 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 Spanish language writer and the first, when he we first meet Vidal, uh, Ophelia, who by the way is such a control freak. He's mad they're fifteen minutes late. Yes, uh, he is a control freak. I mean, he fixes his own watch. I mean, he is a uh, fast. He's gonna. Right, he's going to sew up his own face when yeah, he. I mean, nobody he else is going to do that but him. <laughs> uh, he, he uh, but Ophelia meets him and tries to shake his hand with the with his with her left hand because she's holding books in the right hand and she grab, he grabs her hand and it's a great introduction. Um, and he says it's the other hand. Which is a terrific introduction because a it's yeah. just a classic dick move. I mean, it's just a terrific <laughs> uh, uh, dick maneuver. But that is for word for word out of David Copperfield, uh, ah. who does the same has the same uh, when she, when he's given up. So well, uh, it's translated to Spanish. Well, yeah, I guess right word and, for word and, and translation back to English for the subtitles. That's right. Uh, but they so he the most violent moment in the movie happens early. Vidal finds who he thinks are, who he's been oh. told are rebels. Yeah. And they say, No, 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 we're not rebels. We were just hunting for rabbits. And his reasoned response is to bash this guy's face in with a bottle. Uh, and you see it. I mean, his nose yeah. goes into the back. Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty gruesome. It's the yeah. most, uh, now, and that sets the tone not only for his character, because then, of course, he finds in their bag rabbits. He and he instead of edits. apologizing, he, tells, he, he yells at... Well, I don't know he's going to apologize to. There's two bodies yeah. on the ground. But uh, he, it, he gets mad at his underling, saying, search these assholes better next time. Uh, I'm quoting that, although... Uh, anyway, so he and, then he...
1: and then he cooks the... He has them cook he has conejos the Conejos so, later.
0: <laughs> and so that's a perfect introduction to what kind of, uh, kind of maniac we're dealing with. Yeah. But it also sets you up... Now that you've seen the worst violence... In your head, you're worried that it's going to get worse, and it never does. Yes, it's uh, true. It doesn't. It's,
1: l- luckily, even the torture scene, which you,
0: you get spared most of it, so you don't you you do. see, you see. Although the psychologically, ends. not really. Although I yeah. think the only thing they could have made him a worse guy, because he, he captures a stutterer and he tells the stutterer yeah. to mock him if you can count to three without stuttering, I'll let you go. The only way to make him more cruel is if they, he'd been able to do it, and then they didn't yeah. let him go. Uh, I, the way,
1: I think this is almost worse because he gave him something that he came so close to doing. Yeah, it's,
0: I'm not saying that it, he let <laughs> him off the hook this way. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying that it. it I'm, I'm just you, it builds. Some, I've seen this movie five or six times, and I always forget the outcome of that. I, mean, I, I know the outcome oh. that he's going to get. He's going to get yeah. tortured. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I forget if he can do, if pull he it off it or not. not. Yeah, which is you know actually that, a pretty yeah, neat trick. He doesn't which care is, even if he does. Which is a neat trick uh, of the screenwriting. Uh, but we—it's funny because we spent so we spent a little time in the fantasy sequence, whether or not they're real or not, but little on the actual discussion of the fantasy sequences, especially the the main one, the, the centerpiece, the Pale Man sequence, which uh, is.
1: Well, uh, so f- before we get to the Pale Man, uh, yeah, which I do want to talk about. So, but I will say, so I was while watching, I was uh, I was trying to just listen to the Spanish and not read because because you'd seen it before. Uh, I'd kind of seen it before. Uh it, not really though. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> uh it was on and so we saw like parts of it so
0: you'd never seen it you'd never sat down to watch yeah, it. right. Okay. Uh,
1: but uh I found the character I could most understand was the fawn. Uh oh. do you know why that is?
0: Is it an American speaking Spanish?
1: So the, well I don't know if he's American. Yeah, Doug Jones
0: is English speak or, I thought
1: they did a voice. Uh no, he did the voice. He didn't know oh. Spanish but uh, Guillermo del Toro said, "I need you to do these parts." Uh, I guess. So, do we just assume he's just a weird-looking dude that he could be?
0: <laughs> well, he, Doug Jones. I don't know what he looks like. That's a good point. Okay. But I know he specializes because he specializes is, in, um, in being a creature or being like being a, right, being a okay, very well, bizarre or elaborate, yeah, so, so prosthetics and that he, kind of thing.
1: With well, he's he was didn't want to do it because he's like, look, I don't know Spanish. I don't want to mess mm-hmm. this up. And Guillermo Toro was like, "Oh, I can just give you the lines phonetically, and you can just say—you know—you won't even know what you're saying. You're just say these." But he's like, yeah. "No." He basically learned. Well, he didn't learn Spanish. He learned what he was. He learned the words that he had to say, right? Uh, just to be able to say it. And so I just—he talked slowly, so it was easier for me to understand him.
0: Okay. So, but of course, that also has could a good understand. effect
1: of making him extra creepy. Uh,
0: yeah, and he changes subtly throughout the movie. Yeah, He I, looks, he, when they first find him, he's old and crusty, and I don't know, I mean, he always looks, his face looks more or less the same, but he gets less crusty. He gets less earthen, and there's less stuff growing out of him. The same uh,
1: because he's becoming more part of the I don't know. Or?
0: I don't know. No. I just, I'm, it, it's, that's more me saying, I just, the, the care taken into, you know, I think for a lot of lazy filmmakers, CGI is their refuge yeah uh we'll fix it in post why we'll it you know i yeah. uh i just I, there's a lot of thought put into the special effects in this movie, not just through I'm, i said lazy filmmakers i i i would say most uh movie makers and certainly technicians on the special effects side they want to put in all that kind of thought uh and some don't and some do but this is certainly a case where um, there are a, a lot of fabulous things to look at and what's well, yeah. funny about the special effects is that the c g i stuff and the creatures look so good. But the day for night looks terrible. The, <laughs> yes. the, the night is so clearly daytime. A day for night is a filter that you put on the camera uh, to make a daytime scene look like the night. So if you're shooting outside in, the, in a forest, it's good to have day for night because a, the, the crew can see and the actors can see, um, and it's easier to control. But it, and then later on, it looks like nighttime. But it doesn't look like nighttime in this movie. <laughs> Uh, and But but to the point, that doesn't have anything to do with the story. So it doesn't affect the overall quality of the movie. It's just uh, an interesting thing.
1: Yeah, but so my thing with the fawn is like... Yeah, because the, the character of the fawn, at first you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. But then I feel like you slowly don't like him very much.
0: No. Like you you trust him he, less and less. <laughs> that's the... I don't think he is giving her the option to be immortal. I think she's, he's giving her the option to choose... Her own destiny.
1: Yeah, and the fact that he doesn't tell her his name. I mean, doesn't.
0: I mean, he. You're right. He is a trixie type character. He's not. Again, in a more traditional movie, he would. He's not a fairy godmother. He no, is, uh, and you're kind of
1: like, why are you trusting him, little girl? Don't go, don't do what this guy's telling you to do.
0: And that's when she, and in some cases, that gets her in trouble. In other cases, it doesn't. And going to the Pale Man sequence, yeah. there's th- there are three doors that she has to choose. And the fairies, boy, out of context, this seems like a crazy movie. But the fairies are telling her to choose <laughs> it is the middle door. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she has an instinct and she chooses the left door, and that ends up being the right door. However, that gives her an overinflated sense of confidence, and she forgets about the... Uh, this comes to my least favorite part of the movie. You don't think it's believable that A, she would eat, or B, she would forget about the, the time constraint? Because she also why? has a...
1: She shouldn't eat. She should eat. Of course she shouldn't eat. But two, that's
0: fairy tales.
1: Two grapes. Why would she eat two Graves to to awake. uh, Look, she breaks literally every rule of horror movies here. Right. Right. She She does. She has a timeline that all she's got to do is get out. You just, as everyone that watches a a horror movie knows, you're like, just get out. Just get out of there. She literally turns her back.
0: On, creepy, on the monster, faceless
1: pale man who, who for the record, sleeping. we have record eats children,
0: eats children, <laughs> and that's a really disgusting because you get the you have the frescoes out uh, yes. on in the and by the way that dining hall mirrors exactly the dining hall of the captain when they're having the dinner scene. Hmm. Uh-huh. I that. <laughs> and uh, so not only do you have the frescoes <laughs> that are showing this pale man eating children, you have the disturbing image of the pile of shoes. Which becomes even more disturbing when you throw it on in the World War II (laughs) context. So that and Uh, yes, we're but that's the point of a fairy tale. Of course, you and I would get the hell out of there, Uh, wouldn't even think about touching. I'll eat grapes later, for God's sake. I guess
1: I just wished it was like chocolate or some like
0: cool looking Uh, fruit. I mean, it's two grapes. Yeah, (laughs) okay, that's a fun. Like she's well
1: fed; she doesn't need to eat. And then, and it's not just like an instinct. I mean, a quick decision. The fairies are like, don't eat those grapes. Like, the, she only, to, the only thing that the fawn told you earlier not to do was eat anything.
0: Like, but I think that, that shows the, her defiance and the fact that she yeah. isn't trusting the fawn all that much. And he ultimately resists the fawn at the very end uh, for the last thing that she asks of yes. him. Yeah, I think which, I've always which, been kind of bothered by the fact that she eats the grapes. Eats
1: grapes. Uh, but, that, but that entire scene is is amazing. I said it's, it's amazing. I, I, my least part, part is when she makes the decision. Uh, but obviously she had to make that decision. Otherwise we don't get to see him come alive. And one of the great, I think the great moments of the movie is when yeah. he puts the eyes in his hands and then puts them up to
0: his face. That's a good one.
1: Uh, which that's is one of those moments that you will stick with you'll never forget that.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a five minute scene in a movie with great scenes all around it. And it's the easily the most, uh, memorable part to the point that the frog the first the giant frog i think is a really good puppet really good effect and he gets sort of he gets third shrift because he's in the same movie with a uh, fawn which is impressive and a really creepy pale man yes Uh, but and those so those are the creatures in this movie i wouldn't necessarily call this movie a creature feature but it doesn't have that because it's not sensational a lot like those are supposed to be uh, but it certainly does fit the requirements of having.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, I would say scary if you monsters. extended the Pale Man to be the whole movie, it'd be a creature feature.
0: Oh yeah, if you right. if uh, if Pan's Labyrinth two, The Pale Man's Revenge <laughs> yeah. would, be, uh, would be would be sick, a creature feature. six
1: six strangers thrown into a room.
0: <laughs> that's with right. A pale it's, man and have to get their way out. That's, no, that's what now it would be it'd be, it'd be <laughs> six teens, and they go to the mill and like now weekend oh, on yeah. spring break from Spain Yes, <laughs> and that's what it would be. And then, yeah. Okay. Uh, but what'd you think of, of Pan's Labyrinth?
1: Uh, yeah. I re- I mean, I just, I really appreciated all the fantastical elements and then, you know, going with the whole fascist thing. So, uh, but yeah, it big made thum- you think thumbs of thumbs your up.
0: favorite, you made it, you made you think of your favorite author then too.
1: Yes. Again, that, that's exactly what I got. Just this mixing mixing the real life with fantasy but them not and the, the whole thing i'm not making a big deal about is it real or not that doesn't matter to the story you just right. accept it as it's here and if you think that it really happened or not it, it's inconsequential you can come up with yourself it's cool mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's part of the, the, the underlying thesis of the whole movie make your own decision uh, some of the people and that's certainly for ophelia that's sort of the lesson although some of those the poor guy with his, face broken in by a bottle didn't really get the option to make his own decision. But, uh, you know, it really does come back to some of those primordial little red riding hood, big bad wolf type things too, because he's the Dow is such clearly the, the actual monster in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the top five we decided on is the top five creature features, uh, this movie doesn't really fit in. It's not going to be on that list, but it, it it's certainly remarkable for its special effects and for its its creatures, its monsters, um, and so that's what we decided on. Number five for me is King Kong, uh, the original King Kong, not one not of Peter the two Jackson. remakes. Uh, although I haven't seen the Peter Jackson, so I, I should I guess I but anyway, that's uh, just a, it's a classic and, and deservedly so. Number four is The Bride of Frankenstein, which is the best monster movie from that era, of which King Kong is certainly which had in that era. a lot of era. monster movies. Right. And it's the best of the uh, universal monster movies, uh, Universal being Universal Studios, which they made their name in the 30s on making creature features, and Bride of Frankenstein is the best one. Uh, Jurassic Park's number three. I have an unabashed <laughs> affection for Jurassic Park. Uh, still, it's such a really, really good movie, and the sequences in it—the T-Rex sequence—is one of the. It's just perfect for tension, for special effects, for everything. Uh, it's just a oh man, that was good. I watched Jurassic Park this afternoon. Uh, number two is James Carpenter's The Thing, that I like a lot. Uh, spooky, 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 scary. It's like a, it's like a war, <laughs> werewolf, werewolf. <laughs> <burmitsua. laughs> uh, and number one is Alien. Uh, I I I figured Alien
1: was... Well, I didn't know if you'd put Jurassic
0: Park... uh, First or Alien first? You could even go... I'm going to go Alien slash Aliens... Alien slash (laughs) Aliens, because Aliens (laughs) is actually more of a creature feature. Uh, And I know I sort of dissed Avatar earlier. James Cameron can make a movie, and he can make a movie with good special effects. Uh, I wouldn't... uh, And I wouldn't call what he did lazy with the special effects. I'll call George Lucas lazy all day with the special (laughs) effects, with the CGI. (laughs) But uh, because Avatar had its own look, but yeah, I would uh, say,
1: Avatar uh, as you say, Avatar's not la- like If Avatar is a lot of things, but lazy is not one of them. I mean,
0: that's well, I think it may be lazy on the script level, on the story well. level, but the visual <laughs> level, no. Yeah, uh, they that is a immersive world and that is hard to do. Uh, it takes a lot of work and so but I think he, what he really does I think his best movie may be Aliens because he takes an established universe and expands it and it wasn't his universe to begin with it was Ridley Scott's Uh, and there are more creatures in Aliens so it fits the bill for creature feature Uh, I'll try to say feature as much as possible, (laughs) creature feature double feature (laughs) of Alien Aliens would be, (laughs) would definitely be number one
1: yeah, Uh, and I think that brings us back to. I mean, I think like the Fawn in Pan's labyrinth actually is a little bit like the Alien.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, with the way uh, his legs are and the way that. uh, Although, uh, yeah, which which
1: again to me is just that's why I I enjoy movies that we use special effects in a unique way to create something I've never seen before. uh, Which you know Guillermo Toro has his you know his whole view on, and then. The creature from alien is actually based on this one guy, this, uh, and I can't remember his name, but this, uh, artist that he had this whole, uh, vision and he created basically, uh, you know, it was his vision. So uh, the
0: special effects artist or a third, a different artist when, No, He's he,
1: he was like an art and now we're getting <laughs> right. The things, I'm, but he, it was like, it was the, I can't remember if it was really Scott or someone like liked his work and thought basically this commissioned the guy to create the, I think he, I don't think he was really a movie guy. He just had the, the like his kind of art, his art had the, the, the look and feel of what we see in Alien uh, sure. and had him create kind of create this, like the, mm. the model of the Alien and then the production designers went ahead and made it. And,
0: yeah, uh, Stan Winston is the special effects person, certainly on Aliens and on Jurassic Park and any a number of other 80s and 90s creature features. Yes. I can't remember if he's also the, the special effects guy in Alien. But anyway... Um, Okay, well that's yeah. We should we should. We got, I got a lot of. I got a full afternoon of movies to watch now. <laughs> uh, but that's including, good. That's the, that's the including
1: point. Pan's Labyrinth
0: again. <laughs> I'll, I'll rewatch Pan's Labyrinth sure.
1: All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining on this, joining us on this trip in Guillermo del Toro's 2006 masterpiece. Uh, we want to hear what you think about it. Uh, please email us at watchingtherightmovies at gmail uh, You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Nick's website, NickRankoski.com, where he also has uh, a lot of his great reviews of new movies uh, and classic movies. Uh, And, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye.